This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well-earned point away at the Champions and some VAR controversy. Rarely will a nil-nil draw give us so much to talk about. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. This is Martin Stark and each week I'm joined by our esteemed panel to reflect on all things Southampton Football Club. Coming up this week, reaction to the Manchester City game and an in-depth look ahead to a busy week which sees Saints travel to Sheffield United in the Carabao Cup before Wolves visit St Mary's in the Premier League on Sunday. Plus, we'll announce the winner of our Total Saints Icon online store competition. Once again, a big welcome to our resident Saints panel, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant. You've seen some live football this week, Steve. How did that go? Yeah, I mean, I was the, the team I was supporting was on the wrong end of things, but it was it was all very uh, very familiar. Dominate the game for for an hour and a bit, uh, miss the miss all the clear-cut chances you create and then get mugged at the end so um yeah kind of like like a warm blanket um <laughs> just very very familiar okay also with us is writer of the blog league one minus 10 glenn delacour how's your week been glenn yeah not bad it's just been the, the standard um standard working from home week had a had some fun football this morning my son's team won nine nil which was nice and we had we had an 18 year old referee who was refereeing his first ever game and uh, on a day when we're no doubt going to be talking about referees, so I have to say he was absolutely excellent. So, um, yeah, just uh, one for John Moss there. It can be done. <laughs> I just wonder what makes an 18-year-old lad want to become a referee. Money. the headlines this weekend. There is, there is a bit of a story behind that. Uh, yeah, they get they get paid for it. So 25 quid or whatever is is, is probably quite nice. But uh, the, the league tried to give us the same referee who we had last week who I may have had a word with, and he declined oh, no. to referee us. So I, I, did, I felt a little bit bad about that. But honestly, this, this 18-year-old kid was um, was much, much better. When you say you felt a little bit bad about that, for how long? No, not at all, actually. Not, 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 not at all. Uh, I'm also pleased to say the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter Dan Sheldon is back with us this week. How was the Etihad, Dan? Yeah, it was a, a really good day, all in all. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, enjoyable game. I went there and I was, I was saying to my... Uh, athletic colleagues family like it's it's good going to places like that because you tend to see a you know a top level football team I didn't think it was going to be Southampton on the day I I must admit I thought (laughs) I was going to be watching a city riot but no all in all really good thank you 
Good. Uh, as always, the biggest hello and thank you goes to all our patrons who are listening around the world. This is episode 168 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics Dan Sheldon. we start with a look back at the weekend's game a point away at Manchester City and I think it's fair to say none of us saw that coming much like the second half VAR penalty decision uh, Glenn do you want to start with VAR and, and John Moss you've obviously been <laughs> stewing on this so. oh thanks <laughs> coming, coming off the long run up um, okay well basically apart from said incident in the game I, I, I found myself thinking, I'm going to have to say that John Moss refereed the game quite well because aside from that incident, he did actually referee it quite well. But after that incident, I'm I'm back to calling him a fat, wheezing old mess because he's just, <laughs> he's just, there are so many things wrong with the whole process of, of you know, how we ended up with absolutely nothing <laughs> from that. I mean, to, to start off with, he gave the decision of a foul. He pulled out the red card, which was wrong. Um, straight away, that was wrong because you're only supposed to do that now if there's no attempt to play the ball. Um, the double jeopardy rule. And Walker did at least make some sort of effort to get to the ball. VAR should not overturn it. It's not a clear error. And the VAR, to be honest, the, the, the VAR referee, Martin Atkinson, should never have called him over because he should have been able to look at it, see that the first contact was Walker sort of hitting Armstrong around the back of the neck. And the narrative seems to be that he was on his way down before Walker made contact. Well, that's that's complete rubbish. So between them, they've combined to completely cock it up. You know, if we'd have had Mike Dean, there's no way he would have overruled his, his own original decision. But I think it just shows how weak John Moss is that, you know, he is prepared to do that. And, and it's just it's just dreadful. We, we've got a, we've now got a, a very long string of terrible decisions out of John Moss, and um, no one cares because it's Southampton, and that that's just seems to be the way the way it is. I mean, we've got the the sort of heavyweight pundits chiming in and saying, "I can't believe they didn't get anything for that," but um, the rest having, of us can. Yeah, having watched that incident, you know, it, it should never have been a red card, but it should definitely have been a penalty. So we've all seen it a few times now, I'm sure. Steve, can you see why he didn't give it? Can you make the case for the defence? No. Um, I mean, you, usually I would try and take the the sort of objective view and and look at it and and try and find a reason why we've been completely screwed over yet again. And But on this occasion, I just can't see it. Carl Walker makes absolutely no contact with the ball at any stage. As Glenn says, it's clear that he did make some sort of attempt to get there, but you look at the video and you you look at it from whatever angle you choose from and he doesn't get there and Adam Armstrong ends up underneath him um and it's just a foul it's clearly a penalty and Moss was right in the fir- in in the first place to give it and yet yeah how how has he decided that oh yeah sorry actually I I clearly got I very very clearly got that wrong it it's this is definitely a decision that I should be overturning in a season where we've been told that the whole thing is going to be much more light touch, not just VAR, but refereeing in general. So you've seen a lot more, lot more challenges go sort of unpunished, and the game has the game has flowed a lot quicker for for most for the most part. Um, and yeah, I don't understand how he's decided that that he's made a clear and obvious error there. That's mad. 
So the argument that Armstrong was already going to ground, we don't agree with that then, any of us? No. No, I mean, I don't, because I think if you watch, if you watch it again, that you, you can see the first contact is, is, is nothing to do with the feet. It's Walker sort of barging him in the, in the back of the neck or around the shoulders sort of thing. So, no, it, you know, if he, if he was on it, why would Armstrong fall down at that point? He's, he's, you know, he cleaned through and he's trying to get a shot away. It's just, it's just rubbish, I'm afraid. What were the managers saying afterwards, Dan? Obviously, you were there yesterday. Was that the main uh, talking point afterwards in the press conference? Uh, yeah, from from Rav's point of view, it certainly was, and I think he he was kind of along the lines of of Stephen Glenn wasn't wasn't too happy. But I I actually have the other the other view. To be honest, I think if that if that's given against your team, I think you're mad. Like I think you're you'd be fuming that that penalty has been given. I think. The problem for me, and I may be wrong on this and the rules may be different, but had he not given a red card, I honestly don't reckon he would have overturned the penalty. But someone's obviously got on his ear and said, I don't think that's a red card. So he's gone to look at it and then he's deemed, okay, well, I don't even think it's a foul. Had he not get, got his cards out, I don't think that would have been overturned. But I think simply because he's given that red card, you know, Atkinson said, oh, you might want to go and have another look at that because I don't think it's a red card. So he's gone to have a look at it and I, I just don't think, for me, I, I don't think it's a penalty. I mean, I've, I've only, I didn't watch Match of the Day last night, so I've not seen countless replays. But yeah, I, I just don't think it was it was a penalty. I think if Armstrong stays on his feet, I think Kai Walker wins the ball. He I can't really stay do. on his feet. He's got a guy on his back. But if, when you look at when the, Armstrong's on the floor, when Kai Walker-Pee is, is pretty much putting his leg in, he's already on the floor. So what, what's yeah, he going to do he's in been, that situation? Because he's been pushed there, around the back no, of his neck. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I buy that. Well, whatever, whatever way, it certainly wasn't a free kick to City, which is what he ended up giving. I no. mean, it's just a shambles. Yeah, the whole thing. I think, as I said, I think had he not given the red card, I honestly don't think he would have overturned the penalty. It's one of them. I mean, if it happened to my team and I wasn't given it, yeah, I'd be crazy. Uh, if it was given against my team, I'd equally be mad at the same time. So I, for me, I can, I'm kind of on the fence with it, but I, I don't think it was a penalty. Look at the one today, Ronaldo. I mean... Well, that was Martin Atkinson as well. Yeah, see that. I so he's he's that. had a, he's had a wonderful weekend. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think once he's given it, it wasn't for me clear and obvious enough for him to overturn it, and that therein is the issue. But then I guess, and I don't know this, had he not given the red card, he wouldn't have been encouraged to go and take another look at it. So we've been asking, and people have been saying the referees should be going over and making better use of the pitch side monitors. So can we expect to see more of this, do you think, Steve? Is this going to be just par for the course this season? Um, I, I guess as a percentage of review, reviewed decisions, yes, probably. But I think the general idea is that fewer things are either reviewed or, or fewer things are kind of dwelled over. Um, so actually, I think... As a as a sort of raw number, I actually think the the number of sort of pitch side reviews will be reduced. Um, not that they were particularly high last um, last time, anyway. But yeah, it's it's just been. I think everyone's everyone's kind of thought that the refereeing and the VAR usage this season has been a lot sort of much improved on on last season, and this weekend has kind of set the whole thing back fairly significantly I'd say. Well we are what four or five games in and this is the first time we've been talking about it so we've done all right so far. I've written VAR to the rescue but Glenn that was clearly an offside goal wasn't it so even the naked eye I think would have given that one. At the well end. It, it annoys me that some people are saying it you know well it evens out 
It, it doesn't. You know, he's offside. End of story. And the linesman flagged for it. And the linesman flagged for it and everything. So it 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 doesn't even out. He's Sterling is clearly offside. The goalkeeper's touch makes no difference. It doesn't make it a new phase of play. So it's offside, and I, I wasn't remotely worried. Apart from the you know the usual sods law. Oh, wouldn't it be great if this got given? But, you know, just on first view, I could see Foden wasn't offside, but when Foden heads the ball, you could see that Sterling is offside. So I wasn't remotely worried for a second that that was going to get given. So no, it it doesn't it doesn't even things out, and it doesn't make me feel any better about the um you know the decision that we didn't get. But we were all go. just sat, we were sat there waiting for that goal though, weren't we? Because we've seen it so many times before. Yeah. That goal at like 90, 92, even ninety five minutes. We just it, it wouldn't have been a surprise had it come. <laughs> um, but thankfully it didn't. Well, let's let's start with the team selection actually, because there was another change in in personnel. I mean, the team news was announced at two o'clock. Um, I think there were a few shocks in there. Obviously, Salazu and Gineppo dropped uh, Peru as well. Carl Walker-Peters back in, along with Bednarek and Adams. We were talking about the need for Rav to, to keep everybody happy, Dan. I know you had written about this. So it kind of made sense, didn't it, to bring them back in? I, I didn't understand the, the Salisu one, if I'm being totally honest. I think he, he had a man-of-the-match performance against West Ham, and his reward for that is getting dropped against Man City a week later. And I think, yeah, that, that one surprised me. Carl Walker-Peters, that one, not, that one doesn't really surprise me, because I... I think I've said on this podcast before, I've certainly written about it. Like I think if you're Ralph, you just have to get him in the team because I think he he is the club's, in my opinion, best fullback. So if you play him at left back, fine. I'd rather see him on the right but and push Tino up. But yeah, I think you get Kyle Walker-Peters in the team. Remains new. He's still going to, you know, he's been impressive when he has played, but I think he's still going to take a bit of time to kind of fully get up to speed with everything. So the Salisu one was the surprise. Walker-Peters starting didn't, really surprised me too much. To be, I would have been more surprised if he was left out of this game on that one. And a more positive team selection than against West Ham, which raised a few eyebrows, Glenn. Uh, yeah, on the face of it, it did, because I thought we'd go for the um, the same formation that we played against West Ham. But um, yeah, as I said last week, I, don't, I think I'm, I'm giving up trying to analyse the, the team selections and whatnot, because, um, it, you know, in addition to what Dan just said about Salisu, which was 100% correct, uh, you know, Perot played really well last week, and I thought Gineppo had a decent game, and, and they all got left out. So again, it's it's another horses for courses. Ralph has played the four two 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 formation against City before the game we won at St Mary's during the lockdown. We you know we played that and, and we restricted them in midfield that game and and just the the way we played the sort of the fact that we were on the front foot when we were defending and Romeo and Moore Prowse who had sort of dodgy ish games last week were both superb this week. So it it was a it was a, a, a big feather in the cap for the manager, I thought. Uh, and I thought he managed the game well. The substitutions were, were spot on and, you know, we overcame the early injury to Jack Stevens as well. So Salas who got on the pitch fairly quickly anyway. So uh, so it it all worked out pretty well. Um and I, you know I think <laughs> I think everyone's going to be uh, scratching their heads a little bit at some of the team selections this year, but that's the way it's going to be with the um, with the size of the squad that we've got and the manager's obviously prepared to use it. And that's a good thing though, isn't it, Steve? If we can't predict the starting eleven, it's going to make it more difficult for the opposition to do the same? Well, yeah, I mean, much like um, what we've kind of always said about um, Giudeppo's performances, if um, if he doesn't know what he's going to do next, then how's, how's the opposition <laughs> going to be able to do it? Yeah, I think that kind of works the same with Ralph's team selections. 
And yeah, I mean, it, whatever they worked on this week obviously worked. I mean, obviously we've got to um, we've got to put into the context that Man City obviously on, only heard from the uh, the Premier League's fixture secretary about this game on um, on Saturday morning. So they only had apparently, according to Guardiola, they only had ten minutes to prepare for this game. So yeah, I mean, in, in that in that space of time, they obviously haven't got any time to analyse what what we're going to do and, and set themselves up accordingly. I mean, it's not like their their team has cost £750 million to put together, is it? And he bought Mares De Bruyne, and Foden off the bench. Their hmm. team news was that De Bruyne was back, and our team news was that Shane Long's recovered from COVID. It, it kind of sort of puts it into perspective a bit. Dan, I think you mentioned the Leipzig game this week on, uh, was it Wednesday or Tuesday night, a bit of a clue there as to how Ralph was going to set up. That was obviously quite useful for us in terms of wearing City out, but also how we might play and what we can learn from that. Yeah, I think I didn't actually watch the Leipzig game myself, but Ralph, you know, didn't really hide the fact that he was obviously paying close attention to it. They're, they're his former employers and he he obviously saw a blueprint and was speaking to, you know, his former colleagues within the club over the week and after the City game to, to get a feeling and I guess some analysis or, or whatever. And he came to the Etihad with it with a clear plan and I think that was so so obvious and that that for me I know VAR will always get the headlines but I think the whole penalty thing actually detracts from how good Southampton were I mean I would personally rather talk about how good they were at stopping City doing what City do so well against every other team they play Southampton didn't let them do that you know how how often do we see okay yes yeah, City dominated possession over 60 percent but that is always normally that's quite low for them yeah. But that's yeah, but that's normally always around the opposition's penalty area. They're always in that kind of final third, like pinging it around. Southampton didn't let them do that. They were kind of limited to their own half slash the middle of the pitch. That's where and you know, City can't be too effective from there. Yes, they're always gonna you always expect them to have that kind of final punch as, as Ralph would say, because of the quality they've got on the pitch, but Southampton just didn't let them do it. And you know, they they froze Fernandino out of the game. Gundogan, like it, they were just brilliant, I thought, and that for me is what I'd rather talk about than than whether it was a penalty or wasn't a penalty. I just thought, you know, they carried out Ralph's instructions to an absolute T, and I don't even think they rode their luck at times. I generally thought they just were absolutely sterling, and yeah, it, all, all because City only had about ten minutes to to prepare for the game, so we're, we're with Pep on that one. <laughs> I'm not having that City have disadvantages. I mean, Jesus. Oh, I know, I know. It's like it's thinking about, he's had a bit of a poor week though, hasn't he, Pep? He's come out and yeah. openly you, criticised the head of their supporters' trust and you just think, come on. Mungie, when I see, obviously it's all relative because they've got so many fantastic players, but I was quite pleased when I see Gabriel Jesus on the team sheet and Bernardo Silva because they're not as good as Foden and De Bruyne and Mares. Mares, I was delighted to see him not playing. I mean, I'd rather see Sterling playing than him. You know, because that's that's a, there's a couple of players there who are not absolute world beaters. But it, yeah, it got a bit scary when they brought those three lads on. I mean, Foden, De Bruyne, and Mares. I mean, have three subs that good ever been brought on in any Premier League game? I doubt it. Um, it's 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 absolutely mad. So I'm so I'm not having the uh, the narrative that old oh, poor old City get in the bin. No, I think also a, a quick word on that save from McCarthy to deny Foden's header. I mean, I thought he hadn't had much to do all game, but I just thought that was a an absolute top quality save. Yeah, right at the end, I thought just a bit of credit for him on that. 
The good thing was we just we didn't go and just park the bus, did we? That was the thing. No, I I thought no. overall it was quite a brave performance. I yeah, know but Nathan Pe- Redmond had a great chance that did kind of what Nathan Redmond did and just didn't come to anything. Um, I mean, he should have had a shot. Elianusi let one go on the edge of the area when I suppose in hindsight you want to see him put his, his boot through it. Um, there were there were chances for Southampton, but yeah, I mean let let's be honest. I think most of us probably expected a three four nil. Yeah, so I don't well, think we, we should did. get that too picky. The, the with predictions them. last week, we were talking four at least. Weren't yeah, we? so, so I don't think we should actually... get too too picky with Redmond fluffing his lines or or anything like that. Tell you what, it was interesting. Do you watch Match of the Day last night? It, it it was really interesting because the highlights only showed City attacking and the penalty incident, and then at the end of the game, Jermaine Genus sort of reviewed, you know, little bits from the game, and it was all Saints attacking play, which they didn't put in the original highlights. And I've noticed that before when we when we've played the big clubs, they only, they only sort of edit the game down to show all the stuff that the big clubs did going forward. It's it's a, it's a real a real strange one that, but again, it's um, I guess something we shouldn't be surprised at. We're used to it though, aren't we? That's the thing. <laughs> um, so I mean, the first time in seven home games that City have failed to score. We mentioned McCarthy's save. A word for the uh, the back four: back to back clean sheets for the first time since January. What do we make of the back four from the weekend, Steve? Um, well, I mean, obviously it's going to be chain all change again for. Well, probably change again for the for midweek, Tuesday, and yeah. and then again for ne- for next weekend because I mean we don't know how serious uh, Jack Stevens' injury is, but um, it was obviously serious enough to to force him off midway through the first half. So you would assume that he's probably out for a, for a period of time. So that makes us probably assume that Lianco will probably get a get a game on Tuesday night, which will be interesting. Um, <laughs> See how, see how that goes. That that could be that could be all kinds of fun. Um, given that Sheffield United have scored nine goals in their last two games, um, having I think they they'd only scored like one in their first five or something mad. So they've they've had a real ch- real change of uh, um, change of form overnight. But I think we're looking all right. We're we're looking organised, and we're I think the key as as ever. And this, I mean, this goes back years. The key key for us having a half decent defence is giving the back four and the goalkeeper protection from midfield. Um, and it's something that we highlighted last week as well, where um, Gineppo in particular was given given his fullback, whichever side he was on at the time, was given his fullback loads of loads of help. So we were basically doubling up on their wide on West Ham's wide players. And today it was it was much more condensed because City would rather play through the middle. If we're letting letting their fullbacks go go around the outside and put put crosses in the air, we've kind of won the battle there because we would just, we would expect to win most most things in the air against Ilkay Gundogan, um, Raheem Sterling. Jesus is reasonable in the air, but not anything special. And that was kind of how we won that game during lockdown because we thought we made the pitch really really um, narrow, forced forced them to to go wide, and blocked everything off. And just headed either block crosses or headed headed them all the way, and they they had nothing really nothing really else to throw at us. And to be honest, that that chance in injury time only really came about because because we we switched off a little bit, and McCarthy bailed Redmond out with with that with a great save. But yeah, we're we're looking we're looking a lot better. I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest. If we'd if we'd had this com had this conversation, or at least um, had a prediction that within six months our defence after that Man United game would be in this sort of state, I think we'd have probably had a bit of a laugh and a chuckle and said, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> yeah, consecutive clean sheets never yeah. against um, good teams as well. 
Against decent sides, yeah. And the only downside, Glenn Jack Stevens, obviously leaving the pitch, clutching his leg. Um, at the time of recording, we're still not entirely sure what that might be. But that's someone that's impressed you this season and it's going to be a loss if he's out for a couple of games. Yeah, it is. And it's always a bit of a worry when, when someone goes down and you can't see why, you know, and there's no one near him. Uh, that that's always the um, the sort of nightmare scenario for a player. If you get injured in a tackle, you can at least see what it was all about. So uh, hopefully it's nothing too bad. Um, I don't think he's the sort of guy that would leave the pitch unless it was pretty bad. And the way he was limping around the pitch at the end, you know, to to get round to the dugout, sort of, it was very very slow. Put it that way. So it it, um, it does worry me a bit that he might be out for a bit of time. But uh, it's a shame for him because he's you know he's gone from being probably fourth choice centre half last year to being uh, a regular starter and he's going to be back to square one again if uh, if he's out for a sort of a period of time so uh, no hope he's um hope he makes a decent recovery and is back fairly soon does it feel to you dan that maybe we've ironed out some of the flaws at the back from last season is it more evident what uh, ralph and the team have been working on during um, pre-season and also the international break yeah i think so i think i mean steve's already mentioned that the man united game and, and the run towards the end of last the end of the last season was just poor, wasn't it? I think every, every player kind of had their head down and yeah, it, it wasn't good and it, everyone looked a bit clueless. Bearing in mind, they've been doing the same thing kind of with Ralph now since 2018. So, but this season, there does seem to be a, a marked difference. I mean, minus the Everton game, because I mean, the Everton game was all too familiar as to what we saw towards the back end of the previous campaign. But certainly this season, I think that the, the way they've responded to that, that defeat at Goodison Park and kind of regrouped, rallied around and just got on with it, I think. And Ralph, to be fair, Ralph was more disappointed after the Everton game about, you know, the missed chances and stuff. And you could see he was still confident that it will click. Don't worry, that was kind of a blip. And yes, they haven't won yet, but I think there's been enough, you know, more than enough positive signs to think that, yeah, the defence does look pretty steady. I, I did like the partnership of Stevens and Salasu. I don't particularly like Bednarek and Stevens as a pair. It'll be interesting how Bednarek and Salasu get on. But yeah, I mean, fingers crossed for Jack that it's nothing nothing too serious because he, as has already been mentioned, you know, he went from fourth choice to, to, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. And you wouldn't have thought that fans would be missing Jack Stevens at the start in 11 a couple of years ago when, you know, he could do no right for wrong. So fingers crossed he's back quick. So we're undefeated in four and we held the champions at their own place which is pretty good. However, we're still looking for that first win and goals are few and far between at the moment, Steve. How are we going to put that right? Um, playing against teams that are rubbish at defending. <laughs> playing Norwich. Um, <laughs> that, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Norwich have lost, what, 16 Premier League games in a row now, I think. Good effort, <laughs> Which is uh, some going. I mean, I don't think even I don't think even Derby managed that. But yeah, I mean, I think playing, playing against a team where they're not, yeah, they're not as not as strong at the back. I mean, City City's defense is a little bit ropey, but you've you've always got to have in mind what they could do to you. And I, I'm not not hugely surprised that. I mean, I don't think Edison had any serious saves to make. He he had he had a couple on. I think we had two on target, didn't we? To their one, which is kind of a little bit of an anomaly, I think. But I don't think they were anything that that he shouldn't have saved. So yeah, getting getting better quality chances, I think, is is important. So I would imagine we'll have a slightly more attacking outlook against. Well, I mean, against most of the other teams in the league, to be honest. Um, so I mean, starting with Wolves on Sunday, I would I would expect us to be much more on the front foot 
Um, I mean, Wolves looked really poor yesterday in their game against Brentford. Yeah. I mean, Brent- Brentford were good, to be fair. So part of it is that Brentford made Wolves look bad, but Wolves have looked quite bad all season so far. So him and Jimenez doesn't quite look as if he's got his sharpness back yet, which is understandable to an extent, but you'd have thought they might have spent the money they got for Diogo Jota a little bit better in terms of giving him a little bit of support. So I think Wolves are there for the taking. But yeah, I think probably... Probably looking to force the game from wide positions, I think, is is the way to go for us. I'm not sure down I'm not sure we've got quite enough guile in central positions at the moment. But we'll see. Um see what see what kind of sort of tombola team Ralph comes up comes up with for, <laughs> for next Sunday. Because let's face it, we ain't gonna be able to guess it. And you're not starting to panic yet, are you, Glenn? The goals are gonna come, that winner come. It it does worry me a little bit that without Stuart Armstrong we seem to be missing that link up to the strikers. Um I I you know, I mean, the problem was yesterday. It was, and it was highlighted a few times. Is that the and Ralph mentioned it as well. Is that the 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 ball up to the strikers? You know, you assume he's talking about the wide players. Just just hasn't been good enough. And I think that's been the case more or less all season. Um, and the the wide players, you know, the the creative players have have got to step up and start sort of feeding the strikers so they can they can have more. Um, more attempts on goal. The, at the moment, they're, they're having to create things for themselves. So, you know, we need Redmond, Elianusi, Gineppo, whoever's playing in the wide areas to actually step up and uh, provide some decent service for the strikers. So it, it does worry me slightly, but I, I largely agree with Steve. We, we've had game, you know, we've had a run of games against teams that in, and fixtures that we normally struggle with. And I know we got, I think we got beat by Wolves at home last year, but they're, they're a different team. This year they've got a new manager who seems to be struggling. They, I, I did always wonder that when Nuno left, whether the the house of cards would fall down because it, remember it's all built on the relationship with um, with the agent who seems to get them all their players. So you do wonder if um, if they are going to struggle this year. I mean they've they've still got a couple of good ones. You know Adama Traore is always is always dangerous, but his his stats and then what he actually produces don't don't really bear it out much so uh, he had a half decent game against us last year in the second half I do remember that but we have to we have to contain him and then we we should be able to find a way some, to score some goals against them and if if we do struggle to score against Wolves then um, yeah there is, there is definitely something there that needs to be addressed there is a problem there Dan a final word on Ralph's dress sense um, still undefeated in the waistcoat what was the tartan tie all about yesterday is, was that a bet do we think well no he, he he donned that after West Ham I mean the West Ham one was was fascinating because all through the game he was kind of smart but rugged in you know sleeves rolled up top button undone then he came down and sat down for his post-match press conference sleeves rolled down he had a tartan tie on and I, I jokingly asked him whether that was a gift from Shay McAdams for his performance <laughs> against Austria in the international break and he joked and said no but it is actually from Austria and now he's he obviously wore against Man City but Ralph's a superstitious guy like he is he's a superstitious guy and I wouldn't be surprised if he's looked at that time for all oh, we kept the clean sheet against West Ham good to wear it again he's worn it against Man City and they've kept the clean sheet I mean I'll be shocked if he turns up at Bramall Lane wearing what he wore against Man City um, I'm expecting to go full tracksuit for the Carabao Cup but yeah I mean I don't know I, I wouldn't pay anything past Ralph so it's as unpredictable as the lineups at the moment isn't it yeah I mean it's impressive I mean nothing's been as maverick as that one in pre-season with like the checked trousers and the chain I mean that was that was a seriously strong look that came out of nowhere but yeah I mean 
you've got that or you've got tracksuit bottoms that are about four sizes too tight. The so magic tracksuit, yeah. It's what, what, you know, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. Whatever works. I'm just wondering if GQ magazine do an award for the best dressed Premier League manager because I think it's nailed on if, uh, if they do. Yeah, well, now Scott Parker's not there, maybe. <laughs> All eyes on the dugout next week. We mentioned Wolves briefly. Um, one point and one place behind us in the league. What have we made to the start of their season? I know they uh, they lost at the weekend. Are they still going to be a threat, do you think, on uh, next Sunday, Steve? Uh, they'll, they'll be a threat, but they just look they just look really toothless at the moment. I mean, you could argue a little bit a little bit like we do. So actually, it could be could be quite an interesting open game but also one that's destined to finish nil-nil because neither of us can score for Toffee. But they they're not as they're not as obviously counter-attacking as um as they've been in previous years. Um the new manager seems to be getting them to be slightly more on the front foot, but I think that's possibly not helping them because they're still I think they're still going with a um with a back four which doesn't really suit Connor Cody and if you're not putting enough midfielders in front of him then um if you got an, if you got a fast striker then they're just running straight past him going forward there's I mean as I, as I said just now Jimenez hasn't quite looked at it um they've got other options but they're not really at the same level um I mean they've still got that 35 million pound child um, <laughs> coming coming off the bench, who who I mean I, I know he's now going to go and score a hat trick on Sunday, but he looks absolute garbage. Well, let's stick with it. it. Was a game that we so we lost last season. We had that unique situation where we played them in the FA Cup, didn't we? We won, and then we yep. lost in the league after, which which, which was obviously completely non-unique because we did exactly the same with Arsenal and also lost the league game. Um, uh, and having, fair, having led, yeah, we, we'd have taken the uh, the FA Cup win. I think. How do we get something out of this game on Sunday, Glenn? What do we need to do? They're not a fantastic side, so you've just got to do the basics. You win football matches by doing the basics. You you know you do you defend properly, you neutralise their obvious threats, and you carry an attacking threat at the other end of the pitch. And 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 that's what we need to do. We need we need to feed the strikers. They're they're absolutely nothing to be scared of, and it's quite a pivotal game in the season because if we win this game, then people will look at the league table and go, Southampton have had a decent start. But if we lose it, we're going to be. 15th 16th in the table and we've lost a home game against a team that you know we possibly should have beaten all, all the fixtures we've had so far including Newcastle away have been games that we don't usually get much out of and we weren't probably expecting to get a great deal out of but we've got to win to my in my mind we've got to win this game you know just to to sort of like feed into the confidence that you know that we have a, we have a bit of confidence we know we're hard to beat but there's there's more than being hard to beat you've got to you've got to win some games and and this is one that I think we definitely should be targeting to win and it's obviously Chelsea away the week after so does that make it even more important that we get something from the game Dan yeah i think the way glenn has just summed it up now i don't think i could add too much to that to be honest um although as we've all said no one expected Southampton to get anything from the Etihad so but Chelsea I mean they look you know there was another good win for them today wasn't it so it's it's going to be an important game I mean it's it's one they shouldn't they shouldn't lose I mean given the the start Wolves have had you'd be really disappointed if they did lose but then I still think Wolves still have got a few good players in, in the squad and a draw wouldn't necessarily be the worst result in the world but as Glenn said if they can win then all of a sudden people look at Southampton and think you know what, we could have seen them having kind of no points from their first six games and they've actually now got seven, I think it would be if they won. Um, and, you know, when you consider the teams they face, that wouldn't be bad going. So who starts then, Steve, for you? I think 
partly will make that call based on who does well on Tuesday night. I think while we're not going to put a full strength side out there, we'll make we'll probably only make half a team's worth of changes this time rather than the nine that we did at, at Newport. Largely because, I mean, I think we've got two or three players now out injured, so that reduces the number of kind of available second-choice options. But also because we're playing a much higher quality of opposition. And there's a, there's an opportunity for players like I mean, Redmond, Gineppo, people like that who might, might start on, on Tuesday night. Taylor as well. Um, probably a good example. If you have a good game in good game in that one, then you've got an opportunity to kind of get in the starting lineup for Sunday because then all of a sudden there's a bit of momentum behind behind um, your form, and we've got options. So if we've got one one player in a particular position playing well and another player who's not, swap them over. Get the get the guy who's get the guy who's kind of on a on an upward trend in into the side and and see how it goes. I, I don't. I mean, we we I'm sure we we discussed this last week with with the sort of squad depth, and we should be able to kind of rotate people out now if they're having a bad time of things because we've got backup options of of, of a similar if not better quality, and we've got a we've got to kind of keep keep with that sort of mental idea of nobody's place is secure in this team. You've got to still work for it. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, because Elianusi's in the team now because he, in, in the main, because he played well at Newport, you know, he scored a hat-trick and that that alerted Ralph to sort of like how well he could play. And he's got in the league team and he's done pretty well. And I thought he did pretty well on um, against City as well. Well, so, he's essentially uh, got two teams now, hasn't he, Ralph? I mean, he could... More or less, yeah. He could make 11 changes against... Are we talking about Sheffield? He could make 11 changes against Sheffield. Yeah, could do. Right throughout the whole team. And that's something that he's, you know, that he's wanted for ages. Uh, but as, as again, as we've all said, it's about how you manage that. And so far, he's doing a pretty good job of it. Brozier will be an interesting one. Let's do score predictions for Sunday first, shall we? Um, bearing in mind, Dan, you're the only person to have got a score prediction right so far this season, <laughs> which I think was the Newcastle one. So please don't read into our predictions too much. Did I get that right, did I? You got. You said 2 all for Newcastle. Blimey, yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just assume that we all get them so wrong. Um, yeah. It's not worth checking. But no, you're the only person that's managed to call um, a result so far this season. So, Dan, do you want to go first for the Wolves game? Uh... 2-1 Southampton. Okay, Steve? Yeah, I just I kind of don't see Wolf scoring. I think I think 2-0. And Glenn? Yeah, um, I'm going to say exactly the same as Steve. I reckon 2-0. Okay. A word on Sheffield United, then the Carabao Cup. That's Tuesday night. Dan, we know this is a competition that he's going to take seriously. Well, I, I, it, as I've just said, he's got two teams. And the other players that are going to come in, if he does make changes, I think are going to be ones that are thinking they should be playing in the Premier League. Um, just off the top of my head, you could you, you could go obviously Forster. I'm, I mean Valerie Lianco. I, I don't know now with with Jack out. I guess you you have to play kind of Bednarek or or Salasu left back. You can you can go with Perot. He obviously missed the last game midfield. I suppose that's that's the one area where you can't do too much with. But you could probably give Romeo or, or Prowse a rest and put Diallo in. Um, the, the one for me on that game will be Brozier. I think if he plays and he plays well and he scores again and Obviously, Shea Adams is, is yet to score. Adam Armstrong obviously scored a good goal against Everton. I think he's going to start kind of staking, you know, he's going to have a real sort of point to go to Ralph and say, look, you know, when you're giving opportunities, I impress. I know I wasn't on the West Ham pod, but I thought he was, his cameo at, at the end of that game was, was really impressive. And yeah, it was. It, it said a lot about his confidence, I think. He's just kind of one of those, again, one of those young players that just seems fearless, like Livramento. So I don't think it'd be too long before he 
is kind of possibly starting. And if he plays against Sheffield United and does well, yeah, I, I could see him starting against Wolves. So yeah, I, I think it'll be one where Ralph makes changes, but you'd still like to think that the second team, if he, if he does make wholesale changes, is too strong for Sheffield United. Well, Billy Sharp is their top scorer this season, isn't he, Steve? So I think they've got, is it 11 goals in their last three games? So it's, it won't be easy, but they're there for the taking. Yeah, it should be. And I would imagine that they'll probably make a few changes themselves. Um, I mean, we know what the the championship schedule is like. And they and one of their big issues last season was they just didn't have a deep squad. It wasn't good enough for the, the games that they were trying to compete in. And as a result, they basically lost most, most of their games. But in the in the championship, there are you're playing two or three games a week always. There, there's no there's no let up, and I think they'll they'll realise, especially with players. I mean, players like Sharp. I I'd be amazed if Sharp features at all on on Tuesday night because he's what 36. Yes, he's their top scorer, but um, they've got they've got bigger fish to fry. They'll they'll be looking to at least push for the playoffs again because they only, they've only got um, three years of parachute payments, and that money that money runs out pretty quickly. And they've got Derby and Middlesbrough, I think, as their next two games. So they're um, historically big games. So hopefully this time next week, then, we'll be talking about a good win on Tuesday and uh, and a decent win on Sunday, all being well. Fingers crossed. Um, quick word before we finish on Will Smallbone, who was back. Um, I think we're all pleased to see pictures of him back training after nine months. Some on the club clearly rate quite highly as well, Dan, because they've. Uh, I know you've written about him and, and they've spoken about him really positively, although we've only seen it in, in flashes. Yeah, I've written about him in the past and he is one that, you know, they, they they really do rate his kind of technical ability on the ball. And yeah, to, to have the injury he did against Leicester was a real kind of killer blow for him, especially kind of being so young and having a little bit of a go in the team off the bench and, and so on. But, you know, it is ta- the recovery's taken its time. That's fine. It, there's no point rushing something like that. And the fact he's edging closer to a return, it gives Ralph another option. And this is a player that, you know, was was on the periphery of the first team last year and is going to want to be, you know, back in there again, which is, you know, another good headache for Ralph, for him to kind of manage that situation. And it's all about options, I think, isn't it? And we can't, we've, we've said it so many times, but Ralph has options and Will Smallbone will be another one when he's ready to play, which is only a good thing. This is the Total Saints podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. Last week, we shared the exciting news that the Total Saints Icon store is now live. We partnered up with one of our patrons, Alistair Downs, to create a unique range of Saints merchandise. Uh, Each design focuses on an iconic moment from Saints history. 25% of all proceeds are being donated to the Saints Foundation at the end of the season. Uh, You can find the link on the TSP website. To celebrate the launch, we've been running a competition across our social media pages so that you can win a £30 voucher to spend in the new store. And congratulations to Jamie Pragnell on Twitter. You've won the first £30 voucher to spend in our Total Saints Icons store. So we'll be in touch on Twitter. Uh, Keep an eye on your inbox and congratulations, Jamie. If you're a paying subscriber to the Total Saints podcast, there's a good chance you've already had your discount code through to use in the Total Saints Icons store. If you're in our Lambert, Benali or Letizia tiers, you've been sent a discount code through Patreon. So make sure you check your inbox for that. The discounts are active until October the 1st and we'll send out a new 
one every single month. Uh, that brings us on to the Patreons. Shout hello to Colt and Dave and Ed and Phil in our Matt Letizia tier and also Nick Reed, who is in our Francis Benali tier. And that, I think, is about it for episode 168. My thanks as always to Steve, Glenn and Dan. Thank you, chaps. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, to find out more about becoming a TSP patron, check out the website where you can join our Bobby Stokes tier for just £5 a month. You can find all the recent episodes of the Total Saints podcast on our YouTube channel. So go and check that out and hit subscribe whilst you're there. And don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. If that's on Apple Podcast, we'd love a rating and a review. On the socials, we are at Total Saints Pod. That's on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always get in touch with us. Just drop us an email via the website. Thank you for listening. And have a great week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.